Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 18 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go say Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt Jay and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I am great. looking forward to watching episode 18, The Secret Byakyo-chan. Ooh, uh, I'm, that sounds cool. Now you know, as cool as a episode that has a lot of Cohen, it can be. Oh, dang. Okay. Well, okay. Did you did you forget just a little I bit? I did. I forgot just a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we can't put it off forever, but we can't put it off for just long enough to get through our next segment, Dave, because shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, Matt, our first star of the week is instructional videos, which... I know it's sort of like a weird lead in, but follow me. So, okay. My wife, Beth, and another friend of ours, Tom, uh, who, oh, who was one of our guest hosts on our very special yeah. episode. So, you can remember back voice, to the movie episode if you listen to the show. And, uh, but she and Beth are doing research for a new podcast. I'm not going to say exactly what it is. But it's going to be pretty rad. We're excited about it. But as a sort of part of that research, we've been watching a lot of um, like instructional videos that were filmed in like the 40s, 50s, 60s. Okay. So like the sort of thing <laughs> that you'd see on like like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 short. Yes. But without yeah, that, those precisely three. Precisely that sort of thing. Okay. Um, and they are amazing. Like we could... I mean, obviously, Mystery Science Theory already did this, so we're not going to do this, but I would happily have a whole other podcast where all we did was watch instructional videos, because they're... Okay, first of all, they're hilarious. Like, a lot of them are super funny. Um, not, like, intentionally... Like, intentionally, so, no, 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 or... No, not intentionally, just with the sort of, like, just so odd. Like, they're so weird to, like, a modern sensibility. Uh, okay, like, for example... You gotta give me an example here. All right. Because so, right now, all I'm thinking about is Fallout 3. That's not totally inaccurate. but So one of them is just called, Are You Popular? Right? Okay. Okay. So if this was made in our like childhood, the whole thing would be about, like, don't worry if you're popular. Like, you need to be true to yourself and, like, blah, 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 blah. Right, like you are sure, a special. Man, free the horses. Get your special self-esteem exactly. stone and rub it whenever you feel bad about yourself. Right, you are like a special, unique snowflake, and like, don't worry about it. This video is like, listen, <laughs> like being popular is really important. It's important out here in high school. It's going to be important in college if you get to college, and it's going to be important in your job. You want people to like you, and like, here's how you know if you're popular, and if you're not. Here's how you become popular. Can you give me any tips, having seen this instructional video? Sure. Okay, so for ex this is less accurate uh, or less important for me. But, for example, if you're a girl, don't park in cars with boys. Like, basically the advice of the video is, like, don't tramp it up. Like... Oh, okay. Yeah, like, and they even say, they're like, this may seem like it will don't lead to popularity. Don't go up to the point. But it won't. <laughs> like... 
basically, no one will respect you in the morning. They talk about, like, be friendly and, like, invite people over to your house and, like, throw great parties and, like, dress well. It's But it's wild because they're so totally, um, like, frank about it. You know, like, there's no pretense of, like, you know, feel good, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you need, you should try and be popular. Like, that's kind of a big deal. And you should do that. Um, Man, I've got to tell you, Dave, like, I, I remember in our youth, like we were, we were talking about earlier, how everyone was a, like a special, unique snowflake. Right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I did not make up that Free the Horses thing. That was a video that I <gasps> Oh, saw. no, no, no. They used that for a couple of years because I remember that from elementary school as well. Yeah, Free the Horses was weird. So I always remember thinking back on that and feeling sort of how blown out of proportion it was and sort of goofy. I mean, even as a kid, I thought it was goofy. Yeah. Um, when they were telling me to feel good about myself. And maybe that's just because I have a problem and have always felt good about myself regardless of the actual circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's a whole different problem that I should deal with. But um, le- learning about this old video, I can see where they were going. <laughs> like, I can see how they felt they really needed to reel that back in and go the other way. Yeah. And if they ended up taking a half step too far, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I'll free a horse or two. <laughs> right. Um, and then some, but then, like, some of them are just, like, they're completely crazy um, because they deal with things that people were, like, super duper concerned about, like, in the 50s, but now okay. we don't care about. Like, mutually assured destruction? Uh,. Well, I mean, I would assume on some level we still care about mutually assured discretion. But, like, uh, oh, okay, so this is a great one. So one of them is an instructional video put up by the Department of Defense, and it's about, like, how to spot secret communists. Okay. And, uh, like, what you should do. And there's another part of the video, I think, where they talk, where where, uh, they theorize that, like, somewhere deep in the heart of the Soviet Union... There is a secret American town that is, like, run by, like, the red, like, the Soviet red government. But it's, like, a fake American. Right. So it's a fake American town where they are training Russians to be, like, deep cover, like, American teenager spies. (laughs) And then they're going to shoot. I just want to tell you, I will watch that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will watch no, 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 dude. All of that movie. Okay, first of all, yeah, of course. Um, but this was this was put up by the Department of Defense, Matt. This was not some like kind of crackpot in Hollywood, like worried about something. This is this like was legit, not the John Birch Society. Wait, this is like a legit theory that the government had that like the Soviets are training secret American, the secret teenage spies to like infiltrate America and like destroy our freedoms. Like, very oh, specifically, like, that is... Soviet teen spies. Yeah. And not, like, not conquer America, not, like, destroy America, specifically to destroy our freedoms. And, like, <laughs> so you see... <laughs> so uh, so you see, like, there's a Russian soldier, and then, like, an American teenager looking, walks up, and the American teenager is, like, something, something, something in Russian. And the soldier is, like... Comrade, you must speak English here. That is the only freedom you do not have. And the teenager's like, Ah, yes, freedoms. These Americans have too many freedoms. <laughs> like, wow. Right. Um, 
There's one. And you know, you know who would be the perfect person to stop these spies is Prez Record, the first teen president. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say the Wolverines. Oh, another good option. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the best ones, the funniest ones, I think, are the ones that uh, talk about the future. Okay, like the far off future of 1997. Yeah, basically. Uh, there's one <laughs> that's like it's the house of the future, and it was actually it was an attraction at Disney World apparently, um, but it's been like gone for ages. And it's like this is how the house of the future works. Everything's made out of plastic. Like literally everything is made out of plastic. They're like the dishes are plastic. The sink is like just everything's plastic. The floor is plastic. The window is plastic. And they're like in the future, nothing will be made out of natural materials. <laughs> Well, it's like you were saying last week with all those old Hulk comics. Like, people in the six, like, specifically the 60s were obsessed with plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? I can drop this glass on the ground and it doesn't immediately shatter into a million pieces? Why would you never not want that? Ah, the modern marvels. Right. Okay. Star number two, Dave, is uh, it's much less involved, but it has sort of consumed my life for the last couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, it is a game on my iPhone, although I imagine it's available for Android platforms as well. It is. And it is called Desert Golfing. And Dave, I know you know about Desert Golfing. I do know about Desert Golfing. Because you've been playing it as well. I have. And our producer, Mark, has also been playing it. Guys, Desert Golfing, there is nothing to it. There's almost literally nothing to it. It is like a simple, two-dimensional screen, but the kick of it is, it's not like an 18-hole course that you then repeat and get better at. It is an infinite course that you never beat, and you just keep playing. And especially if you don't have anything else to do, and you're just like sitting at your desk all day, like doing some sort of menial task, you can, over the course of you know a week or two, between some other things, accidentally <laughs> get up to hole number four thousand one hundred and twenty-five. Are you seriously at hole? Oh my gosh, dude! I am at hole uh, five hundred and forty-two. Okay, my uh, my stroke average is still like three. I'm, I'm My slightly average, below three. It used to be three. The game got harder somewhere in the thousands. Okay. Where yeah, at that this makes point, sense. usually I get it in between like, you know, between one and three shots. But every, every, like once, every in once in a while, while you just... I'll just hit one that takes like 30 shots to get in. Oh, jeez. The, the highest one I had was somewhere in the 90s. It was maddening. <laughs> it took me like an hour. Oh, my gosh. Um... Uh, so, guys, don't play desert golfing. I mean, dude. No, you totally should. It's just super fun. Realize that it is an endless pit that you just keep throwing your yeah, time just, into. Yeah, just know what you're having. Ha- you know, you. know what is about to happen to you. Um, I actually read a review about desert golf that was, they basically said they're like, we don't know if this is like the best or worst game ever made. Like, we're still not sure. <laughs> it's it's way, it is more fun than it deserves to be. I think that the thing of it is, since since it never repeats and each hole is slightly different and it just sort of moves on slowly and steadily at its own pace, it's kind of like meditative. Like you just sort of you do just it. Gotta, you don't really okay. have to think about it. You can be doing it while you are talking about it on a podcast. Uh, yeah. Yes, you can. I, I did just get a few hats in while we we're talking about it. Yeah, I'm playing it right now. Sorry, I got to stop. <laughs> All right, man. So, uh, Desert Golf, and it's cheap, right? It's like a buck, I think. Yeah, it was. A, I think it was a buck. Whatever. Uh, easily worth it. Easily worth it in terms of like entertainment dollars. I was reading something a while ago, and it was talking about how, like the 
economic, like the the big recession we sort of had and are like finally kind of climbing our way out of, um, was like a real boom for video games. Specifically because like they're so like the entertainment value, like the, the ratio of like entertainment hours per dollar is so good. Sorry, I'm still playing desert golfing. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of waiting for you to jump in there and be like, oh, yeah, let's no, talk no, about that's that. That's an excellent point that I have nothing to add to, but I am just not getting this hole and it is killing me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like movies kind of took a hit because, you know, 10 bucks for a movie ticket, you're, back, you're out in at the most like three hours. Whereas, you know, you can buy Skyrim and literally spend hundreds and hundreds of hours playing Skyrim for like 60 bucks. I don't know. When I bought a 360 a couple of months ago, I specifically asked the clerk to not sell me a copy of Skyrim. <laughs> like you were buying like was he, I was a, buying, was he going to I was to? buying other games Did it look, and they like was he gearing up to try and sell you Skyrim and you were just like please don't. Yeah, well I was looking at a wall of games cuz I was going to buy a couple of like cheap old used games yeah. and she was like, "Oh, have you played Skyrim?" And I just said, "Yes." I don't. I don't want it. Take it away, like please. <laughs> that's no. That's reasonable. So the long and short of it is, uh, desert golf is a lot of fun. You should maybe get it or maybe not. <laughs> just, just you know, be aware of your vulnerabilities before you okay. go and buy it. Right. Be responsible. Be responsible. Um, okay. So, Dave, what is our third star of the week? Ooh, ooh. I'm actually really excited about this, Matt. So, uh, for Christmas, and I am sure that we will get some more mileage out of this Christmas conversation, but for Christmas, uh, my, I was about to say my mom and dad, our parents, got my wife and I a, uh, like a tabletop or countertop grill. Okay. Okay. Um, it's real snazzy, like it's electric, it's very cool, but the really cool thing about it, the really cool thing is that Having a tabletop grill allows me to make Korean barbecue at home. Ooh. Yeah. That is that is very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exciting and a little bit dangerous. It's been a magical, wonderful journey, Matt. Delicious Korean barbecue aside, Matt, uh, what is our fourth star? Okay, Dave. Our fourth star is actually a follow-up of something we talked about last week. Right on. If you will recall, there was a particular issue of the Fantastic Four that I was reading. Mm-hmm. Another 360-some-odd. I, I had it at one point, and now I've forgotten again. Okay. Anyway, it was one of the issues that was a crossover issue with the Infinity War event. Um, okay. And so, because I have always wondered what the events surrounding that issue were, all right. I went back and I read all of the Infinity War. And Dave, I've got one piece of advice for you. Wow. Don't read the Infinity War. No, dude, Infinity don't War read was it? terrible. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. The Infinity War is like a reunion tour of the Infinity Gauntlet. It's like, hey, do you remember all this stuff from this thing that you liked a few years ago? Well, it's back, and now it's bigger. And also, the Magus has a top knot. Dude. The... The Magus. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it was if his '90s top knot was better or worse than his '70s fro, but uh, the Magus is weird. 
there's just a lot of weird stuff that happens in this crossover that I'm not going to take the time to get into. There are a bunch of doppelgangers of the heroes, and that's beautiful if for no other reason than it provides really great screen captures <laughs> of like weird <laughs> villainess 90s, like super 90s versions of those comic book characters. Like I, I put the cover up on our of that one Fantastic Four issue on our Twitter feed last week, and it's just like the X-Men if the X-Men co- costumes were covered in spikes. Just spikes all over the place. Just all sorts of spikes. So if you want to see like weird demon versions of your favorite 90s characters covered in spikes, read The Infinity War. Is there anybody really, who doesn't want that? You know, I'm sure there is. I don't know if they're listening to this. Uh, I was say, but, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably pretty down to see your favorite 90s characters covered in spikes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah... I, I guess I'm just glad that uh, Excalibur did not make its way into that crossover because the old Phoenix costume is already covered in spikes, and I have no idea what they would have done. It would have oh, been like dude. the spike singularity. Are you talking about the uh, Rachel? The Rachel's one. The Rachel Summers Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even know how she Her, gets like, around. Costume. Yeah, it is. It's like all spikes all the time. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, man. I'm just like I'm thinking back to like. I'm just remembering a lot of 90s stuff in comics now. Like, um, I'm just thinking about Shatterstar. The names. Hey, Some man. of the names were the best. Shatterstar. Like, it's just such a good name. What's better than one sword? Two swords. What's better than two swords? Two swords that each have two blades. <laughs> right. You need to be... It's like a special kind of genius to think of that sort of thing. Um, you know, like a whole decade where nobody had feet because Rob Leefield was trying all the comics. Dude, he used up all his ink on pouches. He didn't have time to do feet. <laughs> there was a... Um... There was a uh, I saw a video once and it was Stan Lee like interviewing or talking with Rob Lee Field and Stan Lee basically just says, "Yeah, whatever I think of you, I just think of like the spikes and pouches guy. Like that's how I think of you." And Rob Lee Field oh, kind of doesn't know what to do with it. They make a character in that video. They they might I think they do and his name is literally like like it's like Spike Man or something weird. It's it's just like it's like the most Leafeldian. Oh no no no! That's a different video with Rob Leafield and Spike Lee, where he turns Spike Lee into a superhero. Who is definitely oh, that one was like probably a, Spike Man. Yeah yeah yeah, dude. Um, oh sorry, sorry. You gotta, go ahead. Listen, you gotta love the Rob, dude. No, but, uh, hey, listen. Uh, he's rad because you know what. He is, I didn't find this out until later, he's like completely self-taught. Like he has like zero formal training. He's literally just a giant comics nerd who like drew and drew and drew until he got good enough to actually start drawing comics. So like he's actually, yeah. my, my understanding is he's actually like a pretty cool guy um, and he just can't draw feet, but you know, whatever. Dude, he can't draw feet, but he can draw readers. Like, uh, good point. That dude wow, that was makes well said. money. Well said, Matt. Like, if there is one thing that that guy can make, it is fat stacks of cash. Oh, sorry. Uh, the hero's name was Overkill, Matt. Overkill. Of course it is. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? He's uh, His name is Overkill. He has, like, an antenna on the side of his head. He has gigantic shoulder pads for no reason. And he well, is covered in spikes. And he's got, like, a chain for a belt bunch of other stuff happening 
not totally It's just sure. the purest avatar of something. I'm not sure of what. But of something. But whatever it is, it's rad. <laughs> it is extreme, I think, specifically. Um, okay. So, all right, Matt. Um, that is our fourth star of the week. Dave, what is our fifth star of the week? Okay, Matt. So this is sort of a uh, star-like slash black hole. I still haven't taken down my Christmas decorations. Oh, dude, neither have I. Okay, well, that makes me feel better. That, it, like, it's not just me. I have... Here is what I have done to take down my Christmas decorations. I have pulled the wreath off of my front door, and then I put it on the table next to my mail. <laughs> I think I think our wreath is still up. I'm not sure. I would have to go look. Tree. I've got a real tree, and it's still up. And <laughs> the, the step that I have taken to getting rid of the tree is that I have stopped watering it so that I will have to get rid of it. Oh, dude. So we had a real tree last year. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, we left it too long, like you do, um, like you specifically do, apparently. And Oh, sure. We also, I was like, hey, I'm not proud. I was like, ah, as soon as I take this thing out of the house, it's going to like shed needles everywhere. It's going to be a giant pain. I know it's in the living room, which is the same room my fireplace is in, and I'll just like burn it, you know, like by piece, piece by piece, because like, you know... Um, don't do that. That's a terrible plan because pine trees are what you make pitch out of, which, like, I knew but just did not connect, you know? I got all this dynamite sitting around. I don't want to throw it away. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> trees go up terrifyingly fast. And at that point, I'm sure it was as dry as can be. It was just like perfect dry tinder oh, yeah. and pitch. It was literally, yeah, it was a tree of tinder soaked in natural pitch. Um, it was maybe the most dangerous thing I've ever done in my house. And we got through like maybe a third of it and we realized we're like, we can't do this. This is a terrible plan. Um, and then so we stopped. So the house is still standing, which is great. But this year. Okay. Yeah, so I, I got to take them down. I, it, it's got to be this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it has do. to be. Okay, so we have put this off long enough, Dave. The five stars are over. Let's see what Ko has been up to in episode 18, uh, The Secret Byako-chan. Uh, uh, okay. We will be back in a minute. We're doing this uh, for you please guys. Please enjoy this episode. We're doing this for you. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we have just finished watching episode 18 of Gosei's Sentai Die Ranger. Dave, what did we just see? Um, so, uh, basically, Ko continues to be awful, and then the rangers are sort of awful back, and then they fight the three hell priestesses again, but then they get things worked out, but Ko is still awful. Yeah, that seems yeah, like I a think pretty that's fair just about assessment, it. right? There's there's really no one who is, like, truly good in this episode. Yeah, the whole thing is, really, everybody is, uh, you know, sort of reprehensible. Even Daigo, our usual rock, was uh, right alongside everyone yeah. else. So, okay, let's just get into this. We start off with Ko. Ko, little kid form, not Kiba Ranger. And he is just sort of running around very excited about the fact that he is now the keeper ranger yeah yeah yeah. like he's 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 i mean you know very reasonably so like he gets like a grown-up body and like blah 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 um you know this is really like this is a big win for ko 
Oh, it's a dream come true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's, uh, it's Ko's dream. It's everyone else's nightmare. So yeah. here's what happens next. Okay. Ko transforms. Right. He pulls the sword out of his windbreaker, which is somehow able to conceal it. Dude, I have I no understand. idea. That sword's like uh, the size of his torso. I don't know where he's stashing the thing, but... Yeah. I mean, it's a magic sword, so I guess that's it, but... Like, normal physics-wise, it does not make any yeah, sense. Dude, but I there guess. it is. <laughs> so, he changes into the Keeper Ranger and immediately starts, like, feeding his base instincts. Yeah. Oh, first of all, Matt, I don't know if you noticed this, but as he is, like, he, so he gets on the skateboard, like that cheesy, like, 90s board that he's got, and he's skating around. And, and again, I don't know if you caught this, but he says it's Kiba-sama coming through. Uh, and that caught my eye because I took like just enough Japanese in college to like remember that. Um, and Sama, it's like a, you know, it's a Japanese honorific cause you know, like whatever San is like Mr. But Sama is like, like a really hugely respectful version of San. Like, like okay. if you were talking to the president, you would call him like President Sama. All right. Gotcha. Barack um, Obama-sama. Yeah, Obama-sama. Um, deities, for example. I'm, I just looked this up to make sure I was right. It says uh, wiki, Wikipedia, which I trust, right? Sure. Wikipedia says that uh, deities are referred to using the Sama honorific. Uh, and then it says, and as and I quote, when used to refer to oneself, Sama expresses extreme arrogance. Okay, uh, so... Yeah. So Ko immediately gives himself the Sama honorific. Rides around on a skateboard. And listen, I like watching superheroes ride around town on a skateboard. Everybody I am does. into that. Yeah. Like, Ko, other than his actual character and all the terrible things he does like all of the trappings of ko are awesome like i, like, I cannot stress that <laughs> enough how much i want to like this kid so what you say is you like everything about ko except ko right yeah that makes a lot of sense so matt what is the first thing what is the first thing matt that the kiba ranger does with his kiryoku powers Okay, so after he does like a sweet kickflip over a truck. Okay, sorry, the second thing. He sees a gaggle of, what did you say, middle school girls? Yeah, middle school, high school, somewhere around there. Anyway, uh, they are young enough that what transpires next was deeply uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Uh, because he uses his chi powers to like blow their skirts up to look at their underwear. Yep, he does it. He yeah. does it first thing. Yeah, that's. Wait, yeah. Way to keep it classy, Ko. Dude. Um, and again, this is like a kid's show. And he just starts laughing, and then he leaves. Uh, yeah, he leaves and like, he goes oh, to a baseball yeah, game. This is awesome. Well, that's but right. not to not to watch a baseball game, not to play a baseball game. He goes specifically to ruin a baseball game. Yeah, like for other people. Like they're just hanging out playing baseball. Kiba Ranger shows up and uses his Kiryoku powers to like move the ball around and like steal it from people. Yeah, like he grabs the ball from midair, and then he like flicks it towards the catcher and knocks the catcher backwards through the chain link fence. Yeah, it, which can't have been pleasant. 
no, it can't have been, and is probably like really dangerous, and that guy's probably injured now. Uh, thankfully, Byako, the sword, also has some like Kiryoku Huju going on, and is able to like shut Ko down a little bit. What does he do? He yeah. like launches the baseball back at Ko. Yeah, he goes, grabs like, the oh, baseball and throws it back at Ko, which knocks him from the baseball field into an amphitheater. So either that's a weird cut or he gets hit really hard. I would like to believe that he just gets hit really hard. I think that would be great. I'm happy with that scenario. Right. Uh, I think that's the end of that scene, right? Basically, Ko shows up, has superpowers, and is totally awful. So Byako says, okay, here's what you need to do. A, not what you're doing. Stop that. <laughs> right. What you need to do is to like lay low and be a die ranger. Like, do not use this to look at like look up girls' skirts and torment people. Right. Like and, what's wrong and with his response is like he takes off this like wristband that he's wearing and he uses it to gag like the little tiger head on the hilt of the sword. Which is how Byako talks. And so he's like, nope, shut up. I'm doing what I want. I'm out of here. Dude. In fact, I have a great idea. Oh my gosh, dude. So the next thing that we see, we cut to Rin's apartment. Like, that's what we see. And Rin is... Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. We're not at the apartment yet. That's right. It's Rin, and she's hanging out with the rest of the Dine Rangers. And she's complaining about how Ko is terrible, basically. Yeah, like, this little kid is terrorizing me. He has made himself a spare key to my apartment. He comes and goes as he pleases, and I don't know what to do with this small terror. Yeah. So they go into the apartment, and there's, like, these two old people, uh, and they are, like, setting stuff up in Rin's apartment. And Rin is like, who are who are you guys? What's going on? Why are you here? Uh, and they're like, oh... We're like Ko's like adopted parents, basically. Like his mother disappeared years ago, and we have just been like taking care of him. Uh, and they don't come right out and say it, but it is fairly obvious that they just cannot wait to get rid of Ko. Yeah, they're like, oh, he never told us he had an older sister. We're so excited that he can move in with you. Like this is going to be great. And the unspoken word here is because he won't be living with us anymore and he's horrible. And then they just leave. They're like, okay, goodbye. Like, it's, it was nice meeting you. And then they say for some reason that they're grocers, which, okay, that's true. But if you, okay, let me replay this scenario for you. Imagine that you are them. Mm-hmm. You, the kid that you've been taking care of says, hey, help me move into this lady's apartment she is my sister that, for whatever reason, I never told you about. So you think, great, I can ditch this kid. I'm going to grab all his boxes. I'm going to take them over here. And then I'm going to be gone. Right. Hopefully, like, before this person gets back and can stop me from doing so. And then kill will be her problem. <laughs> so she shows up with her four friends right before you're about to leave. And you're like, oh, hey, great to meet you goodbye now before you leave do you think that there's like a like one last thing that you have to say after goodbye and if it if you do do you think that that thing is to just tell these people your profession for no reason (laughs) uh no 
No, it's Matt, not like I don't think they don't so. say come by the grocery store or like they don't oh say, we'll help you I out with groceries, you some vegetables. Right? They're just like we're grocers. Like goodbye, strangers. Goodbye Bye. forever. Yeah. Oh, I'm a grocer. Yeah, dude. Um. Sorry, there was there was no point to that tirade. It was just such a weird moment. Yeah, okay. So, but the the really strange thing is, is that, like, there's a ladder in the room, right? And what looks like a ceiling tile is gone. And Ko, like, scrambles up this ladder into the ceiling. And unbeknownst to us, there's, like, a closet up there or something. Like, Rin's apartment has an attic, effectively. Yeah, he's like up in the loft in her apartment in this yeah. building. Um and he's like up there. He doesn't like close the hatch. He like the rangers are all right downstairs and he is just having this conversation with Bianco the sword. And Bianco's like, "Dude, you shouldn't be here. They're totally going to figure out that you're the ranger." And he's like, "No, no, no, it'll be fine cuz like I'll just I'll be able to hide and this way I'll be able to like kind of know what they're doing." Completely ignoring the fact that they're literally like six or seven feet away from him. Oh, and then right. the sword... this is like this is one half of a good plan. Like he like the idea to get himself in there and ingratiate himself with them so that he can find out when there's trouble, that makes sense. Literally yeah, that's everything call. else he's doing does not make sense. At all. Uh oh, and there is uh Biako. The sword is also inappropriate because he's like, ah, you just want to stay here. Because you're really into that, like, the, I think, like that flat-chested girl or something. But basically... That is, yes, that is exactly what he says. Yeah, Bianco is also, like, just being inappropriate. Like, Bianco, that's not... Like, she has a name. You even know her name. Like, I know for a fact that you know her name. Why wouldn't you just call her Rin? Like, just call her Rin. That's her name. I'm choosing to believe that Ko has rubbed off on him. That their cheese have merged and that, like... You know, Kyo got the benefit of Biako's like magic tiger powers, and Biako has the benefit of Ko's like terrible, just everything. Dude, I guess sounds like kind of a bum deer for Biako, but hey, you know he's a talking sword. Whatever, you can only yeah. feel so bad for him. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, <laughs> just a very. Dude, I don't even know. Uh, okay, so that's the end of that scene. We go to the shrine. Akumaru is there with the three hell priestesses and the Goma commanders. And he's still messing with that noisemaker. But he's holding it's not it like... not stop, Dave. Uh, what's weird is he's holding it like a cigarette. Like, he's not holding yep. it like you would normally see, like, a little kid hold a noisemaker. Like, he's definitely just holding it in between his two front fingers. Sort of, like, slowly puffing on it. Like, he's not even energetic about it. He's just this very lethargically, like, inflating it and deflating it. Yeah. Um, but so he's there. He's talking to uh, Zydos, his father. Shadam. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Shadam is his father. And uh, he's just like, so I hate you and I hate my mother because she also abandoned me. I'm going to find the Kiba Ranger and you guys are jerks. Screw all of you. I'm going to go find the Keeper Ranger. And he also says that the reason he wants to find the Keeper Ranger is to, like, turn him to the Goma. And so he has 
he claims to have done some research. I don't know where he did this research, but he turns to the three priestesses and say, says, according to my research, the Cuba Ranger will be a 10-year-old boy with a tiger, like, scar mark brand on his arm. So go find someone who matches that description. Which is, like, a really... I mean, it's specific, but very difficult, I think, to probably check for. Well, and we will see later in the episode that it's very difficult to check for, because they're just running around the city ripping the sleeves off of 10-year-old boys' like shirts. Well, not just sleeves, but yeah. Okay, it it actually is at this point uh, that I start to feel a little bit bad for Akamaru, because everything he's doing is like, it's super-duper classic, like... Like, I just want someone to pay attention to me and, like, care about me. Sort of, like, little kid stuff. And, like, even though he's a Goma, like, his op- his motivation is is completely transparent. And you're just like, oh. It's actually probably the best piece of writing that we've seen, I think, in Die Ranger. Because you're like, oh, okay. So Akamaru is actually, like, a fairly sympathetic villain here. Like, his mom and dad have literally abandoned him. He was adopted by some, like, weird Goma shogun. And the Goma shogun's like, get out there and earn daddy's love. Like, find the Kiba Ranger. So you feel for the guy. Yeah, and actually, the kid who plays Akamaru is pretty good. Like, he has that sort of, like, weird, quiet menace, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I might be blowing that out of proportion, but I actually I, I like. There are some things that I don't like about him. He's actually the opposite of Ko. Ko, I like everything about him except the character. Like I love his clothes and his skateboard and like some other things he'll do later in the episode. Uh-huh. Akamaru is the opposite. I really like Akamaru. I just hate his stupid button clothes and noisemaker. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't. Why? Why buttons? Like, why did... I just don't understand it. Like, who Dude, was looking it? was at like it? 17 episodes in. They'd already used up the rest of the costume budget. I'm Man, sure they just, like, had a drawer full of buttons. And we're like, oh, we've got to do something. We have to make a costume for this kid. Right, okay. Akamaru's button guy. That's your thing. Your button guy. Okay, so we're basically done with them for now. We go back and we see Rin, and he's, like, kind of bouncing off the wall. Or, not sorry, not Rin. Ko. We see Ko who is bouncing off the walls in Rin's apartment. And he's, like, real jazzed about it, though. He's like, this is great. I'm super excited to be living with you. I, uh, you know, those people, like, they let me live there, but they always treated me like I was a nuisance. And I was like... Which is understandable. Yeah. It's, yeah, because you're awful, Co. Because you're, like, a terrible child. These kindly grocers have been taking care of you, and I'm sure that you've been tormenting them. Yeah, like, there's just no way that you haven't been totally awful to them. So, you know, understandable. And but Rin, he and Ren are having a talk, they're drinking some juice. And she says, she's like, you know, I've decided, like, you can live here, like, it's cool, blah, blah, blah. And then the phone rings, Rin picks it up, and she's like, oh yeah, totally, Ko's here. You know, do you want to talk to him? And Ko picks up the phone. Uh, and remember when we said that everybody in this episode is like morally detestable? Here it comes, guys. So, yeah. So, so, so Ko do you remember how Shoji phone. always used to be our like touchstone for terrible human being in these episodes? But for yeah. the last few, he's really like stepped up his game and become a good person. Yeah, that's gone now. So Ko picks up the phone, 
and he hears someone on the other line say, Co? Like, it's it's me. It's your mom. I'm back. Yeah. Like, I, I've thinks. just come into the Tokyo station. Um, can you come and pick me up? And then we cut to the person on the other end of the line standing in a phone booth, and it's Shoji doing, like, a, a really bad voice. Like, yeah. I feel bad for Go in this situation because they're being remarkably cruel, but, like... Yeah, it's really... There is no way uh, that this plan should have worked. Yeah, no, it should not have. Except for the fact that... I mean, okay, listen. How would his except, mother know yeah, I mean, he's a 10-year-old he was a, boy right, who he's a kid. is excited to maybe be reunited with his mother. Yeah. So he leaves and is just like, oh, thank goodness that... Oh, the other rangers, by the way, are hiding in the closet. And they come out and Rin's just like, oh my gosh, guys, this is so awesome. Let's get all of his stuff out of here and, like, dump him back at the grocers so we don't have to deal with this kid anymore. And then... Uh, and Ryu has a moment of, like, is this cool to be, like, totally abusing this child's, like, broken family situation? <laughs> yeah. But he's, like, the only... Not even Daigo. Not even Daigo, yeah. Matt. And even he doesn't put up much of a fight. Rin says, like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Let's get rid of this brat. And he's just like, well, okay. No, he, he, but he keeps feeling bad about it. Because we see in the next scene that he, like, he's still sort of like, "Ah, I don't know if this is a good idea. Oh, and the rest of the rangers have made him sit in the back of the truck. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Also, Kazu is wearing a fly set of pants, dude. Oh, the, the, the plaid pants? Yeah, man. He has just got some, like, real intense checked plaid pants. Uh, Dude, he also has got this really great, like, brown pleather vest. The brown, the brown pleather vest. Like, I would never wear those pants, but they are pretty cool. So, the next bit, like, basically, they succeed. They get all of Ko's stuff out. They throw it in a truck. They're driving back to, I don't know, just, like, throw it on the lawn of these grocers. Like, yeah, I don't know see, that's the thing, is. is they don't say where they're taking it. So, theoretically, they're taking it back to the grocers, but they don't know... Like, they never got those person's name or where they worked. Are they just going to drive around looking for groceries? Right. Like, those people are selling carrots. Let's just drop off this kid's stuff here. It'll all work out. <laughs> Dude, I guess. Um. So, yeah. So, they're just driving along. And then they see... Who's driving? I think it's Shoji's driving, right? No, no, no. Because remember, Shoji was out at the phone booth making oh, the that's call. Oh, that's right. And Rin actually stays back at the apartment. So it's the other three guys. It's Ryu, Daigo, and Kazu. So they have to break very suddenly because for reasons that will make sense in a second but are very strange in the moment, there are a bunch of like young boys running down the street in their underwear. Yeah, a lot of uncomfortable moments in this episode. This so is, Yeah, this is weird, man. Chasing after them, and this is not going a bad direction, but chasing after them is Shoji. Um, <laughs> who he's, flags yeah, down no, the guys in the cool, truck. He's cool, though. This is fine. Yeah. He flags down the guys in the truck. He's like, hey, we've got a problem. Yeah. Like, the Goma are over there, and I don't know why, but they are tearing the clothes off of children. Like, young boys. And uh, what we see, and then we shoot over to the Goma, and we see they are, like, they are just, like, tearing the clothes off of these 12-year-old boys because they're looking for the... Uh, tiger, like the the tiger mark on that they know is on the keeper ranger's shoulder or his arm or whatever. Yeah, and they are not having any luck because it's sort of an impossible thing to look for, or nearly impossible. Right? What do you? I mean, like, how many millions of people live in Tokyo? 
Yeah, and most of them have arms, so. <laughs> right, the vast, vast majority, I would imagine, have arms. And so it's the four Dow Rangers, and they get on the radio and call Rin and say, hey, we got Goma problem, come meet us. So we right. cut back to Rin's apartment, and she runs out the front door only to encounter Ko. Right, who is standing there, just like crying, and he sees Rin, and like now he pieces it together. Like now he figures out what she did. And he just like runs up and he's just like, You are awful. Like you're the worst. How could you do that to me? Like I thought we were friends. Yeah. And then basically, the really remarkable thing here is that Rin does not immediately say, like, Hey, I'm sorry. That was a bit much. Like, can I talk to you in a few minutes? I really have to go do a thing. What right. Rin says is, it's because you had to leave. Yeah, she's like, no, 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 you, you still got to go. Like, I I'm, I'm feel bad that I tricked you, maybe, but you totally cannot stay here. Anyway, so he drops his skateboard and runs away. Right. And then when she sees him run away, finally Rin, I don't know, is human and... You know, like, runs after him. So, she is chasing Ko, and they run into one of the Goma. Which is weird, because I thought that they were all off fighting the other four rangers, but apparently this one sort of wandered away. Oh, Matt, it is key to note that they run into her in a park. It's a big park. There's a lot of open spaces. They are very definitely in a park. That'll be important later. Go ahead. So... She grabs, uh, she, the Goma uh, priestess, grabs Ko, tears off his sleeve, and sees that Ko does, in fact, have this brand in the shape of a tiger. Yeah. And we cut immediately to, like, a sepia tone flashback. Yeah, okay, this is where things get really strange. So you see what we are told, effectively, is, like, a young Ko, and his mother is there. And I don't remember exactly what she says, but she says something like, Ko, like, this is the way it has to be, or, like, this is how I have to do things. Like, if you have to hate anyone, hate Mama. And she reaches over to, like, a bucket of, like, burning coals that she has, like, there's this, like, a, it's a brand. It's like a tiger brand. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And she just, like, reaches over and, like, jams it on his arm. And he's understandably freaks out. And then she's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. And like hugs him, but does not take the brand off of his arm. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you got you got to leave it on there long enough to get a, get a good mark. Yeah, man. I mean, and this is not like a little guy. Like, this is not a little thing. This is like a kung fu style. Yeah, it's at least, you know, what, three, four inches long? Yeah, dude. I mean, something. Yeah, like Kung, like from Kung Fu with David Carradine. Yeah, like it's got to lift up the pot at the end, and it's got yeah, like the, yeah. the tiger on the one side and the dragon on the I, other. I a, might be misremembering what they are. It might be a phoenix. A phoenix or a dragon. I don't know. Honestly, for the dragon, what I'm probably thinking of is Iron Fist, like death-hugging Shaolu the Undying and getting oh, yeah, a giant yeah, yeah. dragon tattoo on it's his a chest. Good dra- yeah, exactly. Because that's how he you know, turns his fist into a thing like unto iron. Oh, Obviously. Yeah. Although you know not every Iron Fist uh, gets it on their chest. Oh, yeah. There was a lot in that old Fraction run where like some of them had it on like, a leg or an yeah, arm Yeah, like one dude something. has it on his head or something. 
Uh, t- dude, that that Fraction Iron Fist run was fantastic. Dude, everything Fraction writes is kind of gold, you know? Like, I haven't read anything that he's written that I didn't like. So, and I like, like, I like Iron Fist to begin with. So it's like, you know, it's like two great tastes that taste great together. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyways, what the point is, is that Sho has this, like, tiger brand on his arm that his mother felt it was, like, super important for him to have. We don't know why. Well, I know why. It, okay. Well, okay. You know why. Maybe I was talking about we, like, me and the listeners, Matt. Maybe that's what I was talking about. Uh, But I was talking about us, and I forgot that you already knew what it was about. Okay. So, yeah, I I have no idea why. Um, But she clearly feels it's, like, a big deal, uh, and so she mutilates her son. Just a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe this is why Ko has, like, a problem with authority figures. This could have something to do with it. Because everyone in his know. life has always been remarkably cruel to him. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so we know that it is, you know, it's Ko. He's the Keeper Ranger. He's got the brand. It flashes back to the present. The Goma. The, I think, I think it's, the it's the Earring, earring Priestess. Yeah, He's like, aha, I found you. You're I the Keeper Ranger. Which is really an amazing stroke of luck on her part. Yeah. And so, but her luck Rin, though immediately ends because Rin is right behind him, right? And so Rin jumps in. She doesn't notice. She doesn't see the tattoo, or not the tattoo, the brand. So she doesn't see the brand. She's just like, "Oh, it's Ko. That's the monster. I'm going to save Ko." So she like, she aura changes and starts fighting, and Ko books it. Like he's just out. Yeah, he runs away like a little boy, not like someone who has the power to transform into a superhero. Yeah. Uh, so and again, at this point, like the whole fight is sort of rejoined somehow in another sort of weird editing moment slash teleportation feat. All of the Goma are fighting all five of the Rangers again. Okay, but wait, wait, just a minute. There's something I want to point out real quickly. Remember how you said it was like really important that they were all in like a giant park? Yeah, uh, and all you could see is all you could see was like trees and like big big patches of grass. Like one of them gets hit off screen and falls into a quarry. So the fight is just back at a quarry. Like there wasn't even a quarry <laughs> visible. We could see the whole surroundings. It was just a big field of grass with like intermittent trees. They run less than 10 seconds and they're in a quarry it's it's almost like they're not even trying anymore i they're not they're not there's no there's not an explanation they didn't like bother to set the scene up so you would end up in a quarry they were just like it's fighting time now quarry shots and that's where they are they're just in a quarry again um but ko goes there first like, Ko, when he runs away, he runs into the quarry, and then Akamaru, like, drives or rides, I guess, by him in, like, his rickshaw thing. Yeah, and they sort of stare each other down for a second, but Akamaru doesn't really stop. Yeah, that's because it. Because he doesn't know that that's the Kiba Ranger. Yeah, exactly. And Ko is he's running away from the fight anyway, he no so he's like, well, happening. here's clearly a bad person. I don't want to engage with him, so I'm just going to sort of stand here for a second. And as soon yeah. as he leaves, Bianca was like, kid, what are you doing? 
Like, you are the sixth Die Ranger, and they are all fighting. That was an enemy. Like, you need to do a thing? Maybe? Please? Yeah. Please. I'm begging you. And Ko is basically like, no, man. No, like, this is really... No, I am straight terrified. Yeah, this is awful. And then, Biako is like, aren't you a man? Like, be a man. And the answer is, Biako, no, he's not a man. He's a ten-year-old child. Maybe if you wanted a man, you should have sent telepathic messages to a man instead of a ten-year-old boy. Right. Like, you, you can't pin this entirely on Ko. Like, yeah, he's this, terrible, but he this, is actually a child. Yeah, this one thing is actually not his fault. Uh, okay. But basically, Bianca like, keeps going back. And he's just like, dude, you gotta do it. You gotta help. Uh, and then he plays what seems to be his trump card. He's just like, dude, Rin is in trouble, and I know you're super into her. And then Ko is like, okay, yes, I will save Rin. And then he turns into the Keeper Ranger. Which is great. It's, you know, and he sort of does a little flippy thing and says, aha. Well, he doesn't actually say it. Biako says it, because if you remember, he's still doing all the talking. Yeah. So they don't hear his weird little kid voice coming yeah. out of his adult body, because... That would just be a very creepy moment. Right. But, dude, Biako talks some hella trash. Uh, he is just like, it's time for me to go on a rampage. Like, it's over. You guys are done. And then one of the priestesses is like, okay, yeah, I'll go fight you. And she jumps up there and just kicks him around for a second. And she's like, aha, where's all your bravado? And Ko says to Biako, like, dude, I don't really know what to do here. Like, I, I am here. not a kung fu master. I have superpowers, but I don't actually know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. He gets a couple of hits in. They fight for a second, but like he's not doing very well. Right. Thankfully, though, Bianca was like, no, listen, like I got this. Just like basically like hold on to me and I will drag you around and that's how we'll fight. And that's basically what they do. Uh, there is there is one weird moment. So the Goma, remember the Goma, they're like Lady Goma, they're priestesses. And so she has, like, goma breasts, basically. And uh, in the course of the fight, this is not the surprising part, that the Kiba Ranger, like, grabs her. Gropes her. Yeah. Here's the weird part. Is he's, like, flustered and apologizes. He's, like, she is clearly offended. And he's just like, oh my gosh, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> How could I? Right. Like, how rude of me. What? It's just like, dude, wh- what? Like, all last week, we watched you do this to your teammate with no remorse. Yeah, like, nothing. Giggling like, afterwards. Right. Like, the impish glee of a naughty child. You're like, ha, 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 ha. And, like, you're fighting a Goma, presumably to the death, and you accidentally, you accidentally grope her, and you apologize to the Goma. I don't. Kid's got issues, man. He's got Dude, priority clearly. issues. Okay, so that does happen. Uh, you know, the fight continues. And then the most glorious special attack we've seen in the entirety of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger happens. Okay, here's the deal. Remember earlier when I was talking about how much I love everything that Code does, except for when he is like being. Like, except for all of the things he does as Ko. Like, 
all of the trappings of Ko are amazing, and this is the best one yet. And it might be my favorite moment in all of the 18 episodes plus movie that we've done so far. Because oh, Ko's special attack, he has like he can like control sound, I guess, which is related to like the tiger roaring or something. But what he does what? is you know how sometimes Daigo goes into like a black realm of like shadows where there are illusions <laughs> and stuff? Oh yes. It's that, except instead of there being like fog, fog. and like an airplane, <laughs> it's it's like weird knockoff tokusatsu version of like Guns N' Roses. Oh, it's like a Japanese glam metal band. <laughs> They're just singing about how amazing the Kiva Ranger is. <laughs> it just rock it out. But and it goes okay. for a little while. It, it's not like all, a full okay. musical number, but Yeah. It goes for a while. But it's not just like an empty realm with like a phantasmal thrash band. There's like a club. We see like the outside of a club. There's like a disco ball. We see people dancing. It's so like there's not yeah. just it's not just the band. Like there's a whole phantom rock scene happening that presumably exists entirely so that the keeper ranger can get this special attack off. And so, yeah, this <laughs> the skateboarding tiger superhero with a talking sword blows up a monster using the power of rock and roll. Well, and he, if, he, listeners, uh, if you don't love that, then like unsubscribe. I don't. I don't know what to help. I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to help you if that doesn't fill you with joy. <laughs> like last week, I was talking about how <laughs> Ko is terrible, but I'm glad to have him in the show. And it's for moments like this because sometimes, oh dude, his his he's so radical that so the terrible things about him fade away for just a moment, and you get to see the beauty <laughs> that is the Kiba Ranger defeating oh, an enemy with guitar solos. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And then okay. So they defeat he defeats the earring ranger, the other two or the earring ranger, the earring monster. <laughs> the other two Goma are like, oh no. So they like grab their sister and like teleport out. Kiba Ranger like leaves. You, you don't really see it. Uh but then the other rangers are like, Oh yeah, the Kiba Ranger. That's just what you'd expect from him. That was rad. Which I don't Guys, you've seen him, like, all time. You've seen him, like, one time. And the one time you did see him, he, like, spazzed out for a minute and then sort of helped you win a fight. Why I think they're all just really jazzed to have a new teammate and are, like, no, I, trying to be excited about it. I guess, but it's like, but why would you say that's what you'd expect from him? It's like, guys, you have no idea what to expect from him. You've never met him before. <laughs> why not just be like... That was really cool. Like, wow, that was the best thing I've seen in my whole life. Right. That would be an appropriate response. But saying that that's what you expect from him makes no sense at all. Okay, so we leave them at the quarry next to the park by the amphitheater or whatever it was. Um, whatever. Everything in the Tokyo in Die Ranger exists, like, on... The, I feel like Tokyo is one block large, and everything else like that you see behind it is just a complicated painting. 
that they have like devised to make it look like they live in a larger space because there's nothing else that makes sense. All right, so we flashback. We're at the shrine. We see the three priestesses. They're talking to Akamaru. The earring priestess is like trying to get out that she knows who the kid is, but she like she she's clearly like messed up. She's like bleeding from the head and everything, and she like she collapses before she gets the information out. And it's not clear if she like passed out or oh I'm pretty sure she's the dead. Keeper Ranger killed her. I don't know, but it doesn't look good for her. I can say no, that. No, like much. she's got blood all over her face. She I don't think we see her again. Yeah, which is a little bit like I know that we've killed Goma before, but it's always been with like a giant sword that like Dairano uses and there's like a flash of light and like phantasmal like cherry petals. Uh, like fluttering around. Well, and they're also not usually being held by their sisters and in their human form. It's a little <laughs> weird. It is. Uh, so I think the earring priestess is dead. Fairly, fairly sure about that. Akamaru, like he gets enough information that he has like a little flashback to when he rode by Ko in his like rickshaw, and he's like, "Oh, that's the guy. Like that's the Kiba Ranger." And then in a moment that I'm sure is supposed to be traumatic, but just ends up looking really silly, he, like, he bends his uh, noisemaker in half, but it's paper, so, like, it's not brittle. Yeah, it doesn't, so like, it snap doesn't... in two. <laughs> right. he just, he's like... just like, ah, and then he just ruins his toy. Like, that's it. I'll get you. Bloop. <laughs> but nothing happens. It's fine. That, by the way, is the sound effect that, like, thin cardboard makes <laughs> okay. when it bends. Um, and then the very last scene of this episode... Down by the waterfront. Down by the waterfront, on a bridge, we see Rin and Co. And he's, like... Having what is seeming to be a tender moment. Yeah. Rin's like, listen, I'm sorry... You can stay, like, we'll be friends, and, like, blah, blah, blah. And very specifically, she's like, listen, you can stay, basically, on the condition that you stop groping me. Yeah, like, like, you have to stop grabbing my breasts, okay? Yeah, you boy? can't do that, child. And Ko is like, all right, sounds good, Rin. Like, this is going to be great. He starts doing a little dance and, like, running around her in circles. And so, yeah, he runs around her in circles and then, like, reaches down and, like, flips her skirt up. And you don't, like, you don't actually see it. Like, you don't, I don't think you get, like, a shot of that. But that is very clearly what he has done. And she's like, Ko, like, what the heck, man? Like, we just talked about this. We literally just talked about this. And he's like... All I said was that I wasn't going to grab your boobs anymore. Peace. I'm yeah. out. And then he's just out. Like, he jumps on the skateboard and leaves. And that's it. That's the last thing we see. So in case you thought that by the end of this episode, Ko was going to, like, reform and be a good person. Nope. He's still terrible. But now he's terrible and kind of sympathetic. S- kind of. Yes. Sympathetic in the sense that I feel bad for him. Yeah. So, okay. So that's it for the episode, Dave. What was your high point? High? Well, okay. Obviously. Obviously. Like, 
thrash metal band attack. It was the best. It's, that might be the high point of the show so far. It was glorious. I will, I will definitely try to get some screen grabs to put up on the Twitter for that one. Uh, it was beautiful. It was great. I recommend you watch it. If you don't watch the show regularly, um, I get it. It takes time and you have to like dig up the files and stuff. But um, <laughs> wait, Matt, Matt, let me pause for just a second. So I thought I was like, oh, maybe I can find like a short clip of like on YouTube or something of this key of Kiba Ranger like doing this attack, right? Uh huh. And if you go to YouTube and you type in Kiba Ranger, the very first thing that pops up on like autocomplete is abuses powers. <laughs> well, that's there you go. YouTube know what knows what's up. Yeah, YouTube knows what's up. That's beautiful. Yeah, okay, it was pretty amazing. Um, am I gonna manage to have a different high point than that? I don't know, man. That was pretty. That's a pretty high point. It's as high as they come. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that was my high point. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. We will get back to diversifying that in future episodes, but I can't let that one pass me by. What was your low point? Low point? Uh, you know, the easy fruit is that Coke continues to be awful, but I'm not going to tell you that. I think my low point is seeing like the frail human form of the Earring Priestess die in the hands of her beloved sisters. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That that that's a weird moment. That was yeah, that was a weird moment. Did not seem appropriate for a children's show. Oh, you know what? I will throw in a separate high point. Okay. Um there uh, and it's sort of the same as one of mine from last week is that the physical acting of the guy in the Keeper Ranger suit uh-huh. continues to be really spot on. Like in the oh, moments yeah, that is totally where true. he is like being dragged around by the sword and like oh, it's very like it's that very is obvious a really good that the moment. sword is fighting and he's just holding it. Like he yeah. just does a really excellent job with it. I was very yeah, impressed. No, that was that was really cool. My low point then is going to be I'm just looking through my notes. We don't see Kaku in this episode at all, right? We do not. But you know that Kaku has to know who Ko is. Yeah, he's got to. I mean, right? I feel like he does. Like, he has, like, video recordings of everything that happens in town. He has, like, a special line to Grandpa who set up the thing with uh, the Byako Shingirkenberger? How was that again? The sword. Byako. Like, you know that if he doesn't know off the top of his head, he could figure it out really easily. Yeah. But they just never check. And I might be wrong. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe Kyo <laughs> is like weirdly canny. Because I remember that like this deception goes on for a while where they know Ko and they know the White Ranger, but they don't know that they're the same person. Okay. Um but yeah, it just seems as though Kaku could have cleared this up really quickly. So high points, low points, all sorts of stuff. Uh Matt, anything else to say about this episode? Uh, not really. I think that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Right Before on. we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or see uh, screenshots that I pull from the episodes for the particular things we're talking about, we're on Twitter at Super Sentai Bros. 
If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It helps people find the show. Uh, if you have been doing that, thanks a lot. I really appreciate all the people who have reviewed the show and retweet yeah. when I set stuff out. Absolutely, guys. Um, it's totally rad to do that. We do appreciate it quite a bit. You guys are the best. Yep. Um, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Yeah!